Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. The official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. This is Conference Championship Preview Weekend. Exciting weekend for sure. I'm the host, Alex, joined by my lovely bro, Holt Smash. What's up? Hey, Alex. Um, not much. Just uh, winding down. Uh, it's been a long week and I'm just ready for the college football on Saturday. What uh, sexual orientation do you think basketball is, Holt? Um, I'll just say confused. Confused. It's, it could be the cue for questioning, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it stands for. Um, in case you haven't figured out, Whole Smash is not a big fan of college basketball. That's on right now, so that's what we're recording right in the middle of some great college basketball games. Mr. J.B. Brooks, what's up? You're a big college basketball fan, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think college basketball is the best postseason in sports. Uh, for sure. March Madness is always always exciting but this is a football podcast i like to say holt uh and we got, we got a great conference championship weekend to preview holt smash everybody's talking about the lsu georgia game and, and the sec championship but there's a shit ton of other good games for me though i'm not really as excited about some of the other games they're they're good games on paper but i just don't think any of them are gonna be close um well i mean i know you're asking holt but I'm just going to say that I think there's a lot of good games. Go ahead, JB. Yeah. I, I Go ahead, JB. I mean, Holt, which one? Which one are you? I know. I'm just interrupting before Holt answers, but I actually kind of disagree. I think there's going to be a lot of good games this weekend. Um, Holt, I think they're going to be good games. As in, like, they're going to be, I guess, fun to watch because they're big teams and they have, I guess, playoff implications. But to me, I don't know if they're going to be close. Uh, can you disagree with that and, I guess, get the viewers more excited about it? I'm actually really excited for the Friday night Pac-12 game. Um, I think that has a chance to be a really exciting game. Um, I really like uh, really like Utah. Uh, this year they've had a really good season. Oregon had a pretty solid middle of the season. They obviously got to the best start against Auburn and had finished the season kind of on a whimper, losing to um, Arizona State. And then uh, they won last week against Oregon State, but not convincingly, not like you would have wanted to see. Um, so I'm just interested to see if they can bounce back. I, I expect them to have a really good game, uh, with the Commerce Championship on the line. Obviously, their odds of making the playoff are pretty much done, but, um, it will still be pretty awesome to be able to win your conference and, uh, get into the Rose Bowl most likely. Um, Holt, if you're honest with everyone here, you're not just a fan of Utah this year. You're a fan of Utah all the time, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, anyone who listens to this podcast, um, 
would know that I'm a huge fan of Kyle Whittingham. Uh, I just love the way he does stuff. You talk, um, you know, or I mean, I haven't actually talked to any Pac-12 coaches personally, <laughs> but uh, anytime, <laughs> any, anytime you see them uh, on TV, um, they will uh, pretty much always say Utah's a very hard-hitting team. Uh, they're very fundamentally sound and uh, obviously outstanding special teams. Um, we have had a few Pac-12 coaches, uh, not to name any names, that have requested to come on the podcast, but we had to unfortunately turn that down um, due to our, you know, outstanding reputation. We don't and want to be punished. Our, our agreements with SEC uh, prohibits us from doing that. Holt Smash, were you the one who broke the Clay Helton is fired from USC news? <laughs> um, man, you really put me on. I was trying to think of something funny, but I couldn't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, no, I, I was not. I wish I, I wish I would have been. I wish I could have gotten famous off of uh, uh, old takes exposed or something like that. But unfortunately, no. Um, I just bought it like everybody else did. Just assumed he was fired um, mm-hmm. because I was expecting that news anyway. Yeah, um, I was actually more surprised when I found out they were retaining him. Um, you know, I'm not really sure how that news broke or um, there was some pretty. I mean, I'm not going to say, like, great college football writers, but there were, you know, a couple college football writers that at least have, like, a blue check mark next to their name that were pretty certain that he was being fired. Um, so it was kind of – I'm kind of curious what was going on behind the scenes and uh, who was kind of feeding them that information and what kind of the whole deal was there. For me, personally, unless it's coming from Pete Thamel, I'm not going to believe it. It's kind of like in the NBA, if, unless it's coming from Woj, I don't believe it. Or NFL, if it, unless it's coming from Schefter, I don't believe it. It's not official until – one of like the main tweeters tweets it out or I guess news reporters breaks it in. To me, college football, I think Pete Thamel might be the guy that you should. Brett McMurphy. Brett, I don't like Brett McMurphy. I mean, I do, I do, I don't. Cause like sometimes he's, he's stupid and then sometimes he's funny. Like his, his tweets are like, he's got a lot of like dad jokes in his tweets and they're, they're funny, but then like, I, I don't know. He doesn't always break the best news. He broke the Ohio state stuff, but then he just, he tells us about like, uh, college football games scheduled 20 years in advance. And I, don't I mean, I think he's really good. I mean, sometimes he does, you know, like to say opinions. But as far as, like, breaking stuff and being reliable, I think he's top of the list. Regardless, uh, Holt Smash did not break the Clay Helton is fired tweets or news. Um, so he is returning, and we can talk about that at a future time. But you're excited about this Utah-Oregon game, Holt. I got you. Um, JB... I know you said you're excited about a lot of games this weekend, but is the Clemson-Virginia ACC championship game the least exciting game out of all of them? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's on paper, it's not exciting. And, you know, Davo has got his team all riled up, you know, with Davo saying his stupid stuff in the media those last couple of days about not being disrespected. And I think Clemson's just going to go out and just absolutely dominate Virginia. I feel bad for Virginia, too. But, you know, guess what? Virginia has a consolation. They're going to still be playing in the Orange Bowl as the uh, second-best ACC team. So, they got that going for them. You, uh, you kind of messed it up because you said not being disrespected, but you meant being disrespected by the media. But I got, I got where you're going with that. Yeah. Um, uh, my reaction to that whole thing with Dabo is that a lot of people are getting all fired up about, like, how stupid he sounds. And – I don't know, Holt. To me, I, I think Dabo's a smart dude. I think he knows what he's saying, and I think he knows what he's saying isn't completely true. But I just don't understand why the media is overreacting to what he's saying because I feel like he knows he knows exactly what he's doing, and he's just trying to fire fire up his team, and it, it doesn't make sense. It's kind of like when uh, Jimbo coached for Florida State, and he said that the ACC was better than the SEC, and now he's flip-flops, so the SEC's tough. 
Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how it is. I mean, he's going to try to say some stuff to uh, get his name out there in the media and kind of uh, get his team wrought up and all that stuff like you said. Um, to me, I'm just a little bit more disappointed in the media for, like, making such a big deal about it and kind of giving him what he wants. Um, you know, this is kind of business as usual. Clemson uh, has not played anyone this year. It's been – their schedule has been completely soft. Um, no challenge. Um for anyone on their schedule and um, you know, he can say whatever he wants, but at the end of the day, everybody knows that they had a joke of a schedule. They had a cakewalk to the playoff and um, you know, they're going to be Virginia by like four touchdowns. Yeah. I'm kind of disappointed that this is one of the primetime games, uh, seven thirty Eastern time. The Ohio state, Wisconsin, big 10 championship game is on after that, but um, just kind of disappointed that this isn't an earlier game. Are y'all happy with the time of the SEC championship or do you wish it would be a little bit later to get more into the prime time? I think it's actually a good time. Honestly, it's right in the middle of the afternoon. You got the big 12 championship and the noon slide and then big 10 and ACC that night. I mean, I think SEC has got that prime, that, that slide all to itself too. I mean, the only competition it has is the American and the uh, mountain West. I mean, everyone's going to be glued into the SEC championship. I'm curious, JB, if, and I am coming home this weekend and I'm, possibly going to the Memphis Cincinnati AAC championship game. I haven't completely decided yet, but do you think in Memphis at a sports bar, we'll call it TJ Mulligans or wherever, do you think they're going to highlight or showcase the Memphis AAC championship game? Or do you think the SEC championship will get like more priority over the Memphis game? I I think Memphis is going to get the main priority at all Memphis bars, especially. I mean, Maybe if you go out into the suburbs, like maybe Germantown, Collierville, uh, it might be more 50-50 on the TVs. But I would imagine it's going to be like 70-30-80-20% in, in favor of uh, the Memphis AAC championship game. I mean, that's definitely going to be the top game. Yeah, it'll um, it'll be exciting. Memphis is favored yet again. This is the um, what, what I call the Mike Norvell going out party. Um the news is that Florida State is waiting till after this weekend to name their coach, and I think most people have taken that as Norvell is going to be the next coach at Florida State. Uh, hold, have you seen the reaction from the Florida State fans? Not super excited about this. They're basically comparing Norvell to Willie Taggart 2.0. You know, another AAC coach that did well but isn't ready for a big job like Florida State. Yeah, I've seen a lot of it, and. Um... You know, I think Florida State fans, any, anything short of hiring in uh, football would be a disappointment to them. Uh, I think a lot of them feel like they're one of the top programs in the country and should, you know, be hiring proven coaches um, with proven track records um, beyond the group of five. And um, unfortunately, they're just not really in that position right now. Um, their facilities are lagging way behind. Um, a lot of teams really the only thing about Florida state you can say is that they're in a great state for recruiting and they are located, um, you know, obviously because of where they're located and then they're in a, a conference where there's really only one really good team and the rest of it is pretty easy to push over. You're going to have better talent than pretty much everyone you play uh, as long as you're recruiting the way that you should. Um, but, you know, that being said, I think there's been a lot of problems with the administration there. Um, you know, that Willie Tiger had to go through, that Jimbo had to go through. I think that's part of the reason why he left. And um, I just think there's kind of a power struggle for us right now, and I don't know if it's necessarily the best place to be. Um, but at the same time, it is still a place you can win at. And, um, 
I think Mike Norvell would be a really good coach for them. I think that would be a really good hire. Um, I think all coaches have a risk um, when you're hiring them. Um, there's no such thing as a sure thing uh, when it comes to hiring coaches. Yeah, I mean, like, if, just to break break you for a second there, whole, Chip Kelly looks like a home run hire at UCLA, and look how it's turned out there. What's that for us? Well, I still have I mean, hope. It's early. It's, yeah, the jury's still out. It's early for both, but it just goes to show, like, I, I know this is someone you don't like, Alex, that much, but I was listening to Memphis Radio uh, today, and Clay Travis is on 92.9 interview, talking to uh, Jason and John here. And uh, he was making a good point that a lot of fan bases look at coaches that win the press conference when they make hires. And two years ago, during that coaching carousel, Frost and Kelly were the two biggest names. And then, like, they're the ones that are, like – and then, you know, Taggart as well, like the biggest hires on that list. And you're looking at them, and they uh, – all one of them got fired. Another one's probably going to get fired after next year. And the other one, it still hasn't gone to a bowl in his first two years. So, I mean, it just goes to show that it's not always about winning the press conference either. No, it's it's definitely – I mean, it's just – it's about winning football games. But, um, I don't know, Florida State's still a good good program. The problem is that there's, like, about – I would say about 20 college football programs that think they are, like, a top five program and that think they can just hire a top five coach. The problem with top five coaches is there's only five of them, and you can't just – you can't pull Nick Saban from Alabama. You can't, you can't pull some. You can't pull Urban Meyer from just nowhere. Although he is, he is available. But I mean, it's just, it's not, it's not easy to bring in a top five coach. I mean, you can't. Like Tennessee could have hired John Gruden. It wasn't about money at that point because I mean they would have paid him whatever he wanted. But it's just, it's, it's tough to bring in a yeah. five top ten coach. Yeah, he simply just didn't want to coach college football. I mean, that's what it boils down to. He wanted to be an NFL coach. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about. Let's preview the show real quick. We're going we're gonna to talk about the SEC championship game for sure. We're going to talk about some more of the coaching changes and a little bit of the bowl projections and Holt's favorite segment at the end is rapid fire. So we're going to get through all of this. We're just kind of working through some of the beginning phases of this podcast and some of the news that came out this week. For instance, were you all surprised? I'll ask you, direct this to you, Holt. Were you surprised that Chris Peterson stepped down from Washington? No, I saw that coming a mile away. Um, Everything's pretty much been leading that direction for a while now. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I was completely surprised, just like everybody else was. Let me go um, there for a second. I don't think I don't think anybody who, you know, maybe other than people around him every day would have any idea this is coming. I think a lot of Washington B riders were really surprised about this as well. People who like really have their you know finger on the pulse of this program. Um, yeah, I mean it was really surprising and a huge loss for Washington too because you know he's one of the better coaches in. Uh, maybe not like an elite coach, but, you know, a, a really good coach had him in the playoff a few years ago. And, you know, yeah, this year was really disappointing. Um, you know, obviously going seven and five. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people thought that they had a chance to be better. They had, a, they, had, they had Utah and Oregon at home. They had both of those teams on the ropes and were not able to uh, to finish them off. And, um, you know, had a couple of disappointing losses, including, a you know, like a loss to Cal. At, I think it was like 3 a.m. because of like some lightning delays. Um, so kind of a, a disappointing season, uh, for their standards, but I, mean, I, I don't think anyone saw us coming. I think this is just one of those things that, you know, um, sometimes coaching just takes a lot out of people and he just needs to step away. And uh, I do believe that in his press conference, uh, exiting, he did state that this is necessarily, uh, not the end of his coaching career. Um, uh, but it's just, uh, 
it's, he's at a point in his life right now where he needs to step away. And when you got all that money and, um, you know, all that stuff, it's, you know, he's in a position where he can afford to just take some time off work. You know, uh, I don't think any of the three of us are have that luxury to be able to do something like that. Um, SEC Slow Smoke does rake in the money, but JB spends it all on vacation. So, yeah, well, and five guys, of course. Um, but and the restaurant five guys also. Yeah, for sure. Oh, uh, ooh, blow, blow. Uh, prior to this year, um, and maybe even still after this year, I think everybody considered Chris Peterson a top 10 coach. Um, he, I think it's healthy for him to step away if he's not feeling great uh, mentally, but, um, I think he will coach again. I think he might be pulling Urban Meyer here, just waiting for, uh, taking a year or two off and getting that, like a bigger program. So it'll be exciting to see what he does. He is, I think he is a really great coach though, even despite this year. Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, this year was a little bit of a disappointment, but I think he has enough of a track record, um, you know. Obviously, all his time at Boise State and what he was able to do there was incredible. And then really turning Washington around. You know, Washington, even though it has, like, some historical, um, you know, relevance um, and, like, a pretty decent history, they did really fall on some hard times before he got there. And um, he was really able to turn around, you know, as I said, got him in the playoff. And, um, I mean, yeah, it was just a – he's a really good coach and a really big loss for them. Yep. And it happens. The defensive coordinator, um, I can't even think of his name now, that is the interim coach and will be the head coach next year. Or I guess he's the head coach now. Um, I didn't realize he was such like a good coaching candidate even before that because I guess he turned down jobs. I mean, Washington's defense has been good with Chris Pearson there, and I guess everybody's kind of crediting him for a lot of that success. Um, but everybody thinks he's a great coach, or will be at least. Um, but he's – been put in a good situation regardless uh, where Chris Pearson left off. Um, other SEC openings, we have now Missouri, Arkansas, and Ole Miss um, all open. Um, I, I guess – I'm not sure if we've already talked about this on a previous podcast, but, um, JB, who do you think is the best job which, – which job out of those three is the best in SEC? Uh, between those three, I would probably lean slightly to Arkansas. I mean, all three of them to me <clears throat> have their biggest pros. Uh, you go to Missouri, there's a little bit less pressure there. You're in the easier division. Uh, if you and you also got the big TV markets with uh, you know St. Louis nearby and Kansas City. Uh, if you go to Ole Miss, you got a little bit of better, more fertile recruiting territory. And uh, if you go to somewhere like Arkansas, you got a little bit more history. I think better fan support. And more money that backs your school too. So I mean, all three to me have their pros and their pros, but I would pick Arkansas. Yeah, I think it comes down to personal preference because you can talk yourself into any of those three uh, jobs if you're a prospective coach. Um, I personally understand why you take Arkansas because of the history. I'd probably take Missouri because I feel like there's lower expectations and you play in the East and not the West. Ole Miss, you could say that there's lower expectations there and they kind of just have to win the Egg Bowl to keep their fans happy. I mean, they might fight over that and say there's a little bit higher expectations than that, but um, that is a very important game. Um, JB, there's been rumors going around about who each team should hire as their coach. I don't necessarily want you to tell me who the best candidate for each job would be. Who do you think realistically each team can get and 
they're like might be serious towards getting. Yeah, I mean, starting off with Missouri, I think Willie Fritz is one is one candidate that is gettable for them, and apparently he he has said that's his dream job. And another one for Missouri would be um, Jim McElwain from Central Michigan. I know that's not a sexy hire, but he has SEC experience, and he's, it'd be a lot less of a pressure cooker in Columbia than it would have been when he was in Gainesville. I would, and then, I would. I'm just gonna cut you off for a second. I would. It would be funny to see McElwain at Missouri and him possibly beating Florida. It's kind of like a um, Muschamp South Carolina situation. It would be. I mean, but I mean, I think McElwain. I mean, I I didn't care for him that much when he was at Florida. I never really was a believer in him. But at the same time, uh, he, he inherited a great situation. Not a great situation, but he inherited a talented team, especially on defense. But he never was able to get the offense off the ground those three years he was there. Like, the offense never got better. And, of course, in Missouri, I mean, you've got to be able to uh, coach your way to win games there. You're not going to have the most talented guys. Yeah, for sure. So, um, Arkansas, who you got? Um, Arkansas, I think that list in Arkansas, it, it goes, like, you know, all over the place. But, I mean, Mike Leach is definitely, I think, someone they could get, you know, if they get give enough money to him. I think Lane Kiffin is also gettable for them. I don't think Norvell is really going to be as gettable for them as some people think. I, I don't even know if Arkansas is even going to go after Norvell. I think right now if I had to put my money on it, I think Lane Kiffin or Mike Leach will be the next coach at Arkansas. Would that not be fun for the SEC? Oh, man, either one of those two. I mean – I mean, I would love to see both of them come to the SEC in this carousel, but if we get one of them, media days is going to be a little bit better next year. Yeah, that's an understatement. And then Ole Miss, who you got? Ole Miss, I think it's going to be uh, Billy Napier for that job. I think Napier at Louisiana is a really good candidate for them. I wouldn't be surprised if they go after Drinkwitz at, at App State, but I, personally, I wouldn't yet. I just don't think he's proven anything. He's only been there for one year. He inherited an awesome program from Scott Satterfield, who's now at Louisville. I mean, I think they might look at Kiffin, too. But honestly, I think Arkansas is going to get to Kiffin before even Ole Miss gets a chance. And I don't know if you read it, but Ole Miss's AD, uh, Carter, did not even have a short list for his head coaching candidates when he fired Matt Luke. So, I mean, he's they're really starting off on the wrong foot. And, I mean, yeah, and Ole Miss is probably going to also look at Norvell, too. But, I mean, I think Norvell is probably heading to Florida State. So, I don't Ole Miss's best choice to me that's going to be obtainable would be Billy Napier. Yeah, I don't think, and this is, I think this is a, like prevailing thought around Memphis, and I, everybody could be wrong, but people don't think that Norbell would leave Memphis for the three SEC jobs because um, you, he could win a lot next year and get a better job the year after that. Because they were, we were talking about it on the radio, and I didn't even think about this, but think about like all the possible jobs that could open up um, next year. You have starting off with USC, Clay Helton's going to be on the hot seat no matter what next year. Um, Auburn, Gus, Gus is always on the hot seat. You don't know when Nick Saban's going to retire, so that could happen. Um, and Texas. And Texas. Tom Herman's another one, yeah. So those are four great jobs. Blue that Bud. could, a few Blue Buds there, too. Yeah, and if he wins if he wins 10 or 11 games next year at Memphis, I mean, his, his stock's only going to go up. And at that point, I think people would – start to respect him even more than they do now. Because I feel like people are kind of on the fence about him right now. Like, he's he's good enough for Ole Miss, Arkansas, Missouri, but he's not well-embraced at Florida State yet. So, um, we'll see. I mean, I think he's going to get the Florida State job regardless. So, I think it's kind of a moot point. But um, speaking about Billy Napier, people have mentioned him about the Memphis backfill after Norvell leaves. So, it'd be interesting to see if uh, Ole Miss can get to him for Memphis. I don't think he would – 
Yeah. I, don't I mean, not to, not to get too far ahead, Alex, but I mean, I've already got a one candidate that Memphis should go after if they don't, you know, hire the uh, offensive line coach from within, you know, to succeed Norvell. Are you talking about Hugh Freeze? Absolutely. Yeah. And then maybe even Butch Jones, too. I think one of those – I think both of them would be good fits for Memphis because both of them are heavily great recruiters. I don't know if you all saw, but apparently Hugh Freeze just signed an extension with Liberty. I saw, they were, I saw they were negotiating, but I didn't know if they had actually gone through yet. Yeah. Paul, would you ever want Butch Jones at any of your – No. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, know, Wait, I, know. I mean, that's the thing, too, is that, like, it's funny to talk about, but Memphis fans could never give a hon- – Hiring Bush Jones, I don't think. See, I don't even know if they would even so take Hugh Freeze like, either. Yeah. Like, I feel like some Memphis fans could get behind Hugh Freeze maybe, but I don't think Memphis fans could get behind uh, Bush Jones. I mean, the way that he yeah. basically ran his program at Tennessee and just all the dumb stuff he did and how terrible, you know, all the dumb stuff he did and how bad he was. Life. And then um, to have made fun of him for so long yeah. and then for Tennessee to fire him. Only for you to hire him a couple years later. Like, I just don't think the boosters at Memphis would get behind that, like, at all. I don't think that would create any excitement for the program. Um, I just – I don't believe they would actually hire Bush Jones. The entertainment value, uh, if, if they actually did hire Bush Jones and, then, like, listening to his press conference, just to see what he would say, if he had any kind of uh, phrases <laughs> that he would use, I would – I would like, I would hate it personally, but I would laugh so hard. To see if he like right. anything from his last job. Now, see, Memphis is a perfect place for someone like Bush Jones. So, not saying that job specifically, but just that type of situation is perfect for him because he would inherit a good situation. Uh, he's a good recruiter, and it's not a pressure cooker either. I mean, that's just that's just a perfect job for him too. I mean, not saying that Memphis fans would get behind it, but that's the perfect kind of situation that I think he would be interested and inclined to take. Yeah, we're going to talk about the SEC championship game right after this. Um, but I do want to say um, I'm not as nervous about Norvell leaving um, personally because you you know you know they have like I mean if you're a group of five team this and your coaches your team wins a lot ultimately this is going to happen they're going to leave for a power five job it happens so it's not it's not the end of the world for me and most Memphis fans were expecting it but also we're in a much better place now with hiring up replacements than we were 10 years ago when we had to hire Larry Porter. There's a lot of good coaches, I think, that would want this job because it would be a great stepping stone. It'd be very similar to what Arkansas State has done with uh, Gus, uh, Hugh Freeze, and now Blake Anderson. So I think that could be like the new Memphis thing. Memphis could be the new Cincinnati. How about that? Or Cincinnati, yeah. Yeah, because look for the revolving door. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about the SEC championship game. This one's exciting. Um, LSU, Georgia, Mercedes Benz, and Atlanta here. Um, Holt, do you think this is going to be a 50 50 crowd, or do you think there's going to be more Georgia fans because it is in Atlanta? I mean, I feel like this is actually going to be a pretty solid LSU crowd. I mean, I'm, Oop, not, saying I... it's gonna be, I'm not saying it's going to be like more than 50 50, but I definitely expect uh, LSU fans to show up in droves. You know, they haven't been to Atlanta in a few years, and, um, you know, I think this is obviously a huge game. Georgia has been to Atlanta. I think this is, what, their third or fourth year in a row. So, uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, because there's so many Georgia fans in in Atlanta and around Atlanta, they have an advantage. But the fact that LSU hasn't been in a few years, I think it's, you know, huge. They're going to bring a ton of fans. Uh should be pretty close to 50-50. And, uh, you know, it should be a really exciting game. The only thing I'm kind of sad about is that I am going – 
back home again this weekend in Memphis. And I do this every year for the St. Jude race, which is a fun race, but I sure do miss the SEC championship game being in Atlanta. I don't, I obviously wouldn't go, but just being around it is fun. Um, you'll see fans all over the place. And that's kind of how it was for the uh, Peach Bowl and for like the kickoff games. Yeah, opening kickoff weekend is, is pretty big. Like whenever Washington played Auburn here uh, a couple of years ago, there's a lot of Washington fans out on Friday night before the game on Saturday. So um, it's just a lot of fun to be here for that weekend. And for this weekend, I'm sure it's a lot of fun. Um, so a lot of LSU fans. Oh, the line is LSU, I think, seven and a half. Um, I think most people are expecting LSU to win this one. But are you old enough to remember the last time Georgia and LSU played an SEC championship game? And I'm going to have to tell JB to calm your tits because I know you want to answer this. Um, would this be like the 2004-2005 like DJ Shockley game? That is, in fact, correct. Do you remember the who won the game? and like the? Yeah. I remember Georgia winning pretty convincingly. And did you you remember that going into that LSU was the higher ranked team and they were the favorite? That I do not remember. JB, you're you're gonna have to. I'm, I would Google it, but just asking you is just as good. So, who was the LSU quarterback at that time, JB? Believe that was it, uh, Matt Mock or no, what, Matt, Marcus Russell? Marcus Russell, actually. But I, I can actually tell you what the final score was. Matty Mock was the Missouri backup quarterback, wasn't he? At one point. Not the same one, but yes, there was a Matty Mock that played in Missouri. But it was like 13. Is that right, JB? I'm guessing now. 34 13 is the score. Yeah. From what I remember, I believe that's what the score was. Yeah, that was, I, I vaguely remember that. Probably just as, maybe just a little bit worse than Holder remembers, but not as fresh in my memory as you. But that's, that's what I like about the SEC is when you get, I mean, George has been in this championship game now three. Three weeks in a row now, or three, not three weeks, three years in a row. And um, I, what I like about the SEC championship is when you get different teams in there. So seeing LSU in there is going to be fun. I just, I wish there was, I don't know if I wish there was a different SEC East team in there, but I'm glad there's a different West team besides Alabama. Um, I think it would be fun if there was Tennessee in there again, although I don't like seeing Tennessee being good because um, it is quite annoying when Tennessee fans are very proud and confident. But it's going to be a good game. JB, what, what are you most excited about this game besides two different teams? Um, it's, the, the, it's just, you know, the, both of these teams are completely different. Uh, Georgia, you know, is leans on its defense. LSU leans on its offense. The biggest factor to me is uh, between Georgia's offense and LSU's, uh, you know, defense. Like, which one is going to step up more in this game? Because, you know, both of them have been inconsistent all, all year, and neither of them have really performed up to the expectations that they're supposed to. So I'm I'm curious which which unit is going to really step up the most. I mean, we saw LSU; they were they really played a phenomenal game last week against A&M, and I think LSU's defense has played better in, in spurts than Georgia's offense has. But you know, Jake Fromm has been in the SEC championship you know two consecutive years. This will be his third year coming up, and you know, there's a lot of pressure on this Georgia team to prevail and get to the playoff. So I mean, and they got a good quarterback that's capable of uh, you know putting up enough points. But the big question is, can can Georgia's defense hold LSU's offense enough for Fromm and his you know group to, you know maybe find a way to uh, get enough points and get a victory? I do like games like this where you have um, opposing sides that are the best at what they do. Like what you're saying, maybe LSU has a really good, great offense and Georgia has a really great defense. So something has to give. 
Um, hold the over under is at 54 and a half. You expect that to go over or under? I mean, man, that's like right on the border. Um, you know, 55, I think, is usually like the standard for an over under in a college football game. Um, I mean, as good as LSU's offense has been, it seems like an easy over, and they've kind of struggled on defense as well. Um, but I mean, Georgia's this is the best defense they've, uh, this is the best defense LSU's faced all year in Georgia. And um, I am more, I guess, on the conservative side, and I just always tend to lead towards the under, especially in big games and robbery games, just because, you know, it's just teams play with a lot of emotion, and I think that lends more towards the defenses. Uh, But I did want to make a correction. LSU and Georgia did play in the 2011 SEC Championship game as well. Mm, good, call, good call, because I remember that. That was the um, that was the year that Matt, Tyron Matthew like flipped the he had the punt return for touchdown, but he like flipped the ball to the referee before he crossed the goal line. But they didn't review it. But that's funny, that's what you would. I know, I, remember, I know, what you, I think I know what you're talking about. But I, I would just recall that as the year that Alabama, and that the year Alabama uh, LSU yeah. played championship. They had the rematch, and then yeah. Georgia actually got out to a ten nothing lead in the first quarter. And then they were leading 10-7 at halftime, and then LSU ended up winning the game like 42-10. to Hold this game, or I guess let's just back up for a second. The game last week, LSU played against AM. They destroyed them, and it's kind of like they were playing – they were out for blood and playing for revenge from last year's seven-overtime game um, with AM in College Station. Do you think there's a similar effect this year with Georgia-LSU when Georgia lost to LSU in Baton Rouge? Last year, I think so, and I think a lot of people are dismissing Georgia in this game, and you really shouldn't. Um, you know, Georgia hasn't really had to, I guess, show up as many, as much as LSU has this year. I mean, obviously, they had the game against Auburn a couple weeks ago. They had the neutral side game against Florida, but um, they haven't really been tested the same way that LSU has. You know, obviously, LSU had to play th- those same two teams as well as Alabama on the road and Texas on the road. Um, so uh, LSU is a little more tested, and they've kind of had to show everything a little bit more. I think uh, Georgia's offense, even though it's been, like, really bland this year, um, I think they may have a few tricks on their sleeve for this game um, because they really, you know, they're obviously they're the underdog in this game, and they need to come out and do something on offense. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe um, – something's kind of been saved for this game. Maybe they have like little new wrinkles on offense to try to get some big plays. And, you know, I definitely hope so because if they're not able to create any big plays on offense in this game, then I don't think they have any shot. So um, I expect Georgia's offense to be a little bit more aggressive maybe than uh, they have been throughout the season. And uh, hopefully some of those uh, Georgia receivers can step up and make some plays. This might seem a little crazy, but I feel like some people underappreciate how good of a coach Kirby Smart is hold. Oh, yeah, definitely Georgia fans. Um, I'll definitely say that. Um, I think any other team in the conference aside from Alabama and maybe just because of this year, LSU, um, would would trade coaches with Georgia in a heartbeat. Um, Just the way he recruits and um, the way his defenses play. uh, He's been pretty much a dominant coach, a great coach, and um, he gets pretty much everything done well. Like, he recruits really well. He hires really good staff members. Um, you know, he understands the importance of all the little things that, you know, obviously he learned from Nick Saban. So, um, you know, I I would definitely like Joe Moore to go coach Georgia and Kirby Smart to come coach Mississippi State if we could make that happen. 
Uh, we'll, we'll, um, we aren't prohibited from talking to SEC coaches whole, so we, we can try to make that happen. Um, we'll, we'll call them up after this, see what we can work up. Um, JB, DeAndre Swift did go down in the Georgia Tech game with an injury. I think he's still going to play for the LSU game here, but it's not 100% certain. Do you think there's a chance that he's not going to be the same DeAndre Swift and that's going to really hurt LSU's or Georgia's chances in this game? I mean, Georgia's definitely going to need a healthy DeAndre Swift if they're going to beat LSU. I mean, he's the best player on their offense. And, and you know, of course, you know, Georgia's not going to have uh, pickings for the first half of this game too. So they need a healthy DeAndre Swift. So, I mean – to, just just getting the ball in his hands, like, he's going to make plays. And, you know, if he's not healthy, then, I mean, Georgia has no chance. Take that a little bit further, JB. Georgia's down, like, what, like five or six receivers or something like that? I mean, they lost, a, you know, a few guys from last year to the draft. No, no, I'm not I mean, talking about that. I think there's injured ones, right? Um, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I know that, you know, obviously – Cager is – what's his name? Cager. Cager's been in and out of rotation all year. To he has. Injury. Yeah, but, I mean, but – but the problem is, I think Cager is going to be playing this weekend. But, I mean, the problem is that they're not going to have their main receiver, you know, their leading receiver, Pickens, out for the first half. I mean, that's critical. I mean, Georgia's defense is going to have to, you know, really limit LSU in the first half and keep this one close at halftime. Yeah. Let's take a little stroll down memory lane for a second. Um, out of all the SEC championship games you can remember, whole, which one was your favorite, as in, I guess, the best game, most exciting game that you remember, you can remember? I mean, that uh, Alabama-Georgia game, um, God, I can't remember what year it was, 2012, I guess, with uh, yeah Aaron Murray yeah. having the deflected pass that was caught at the end of the game when they should yeah. just let it go and complete the clock run out. Um, that was a really exciting game. That was, uh, I believe that was Amari Cooper's freshman year. That was kind of one of the first games where, you, you know, I mean, he had made some plays throughout the season, but that was the first time he really stepped up on, like, the national stage. Um, you know, he caught a – Deep touchdown pass from AJ McCarron. That was a huge play in that game. Um, Eddie Lacy had a couple of big runs, and uh, Todd Gurley had a huge game as well. Uh, I believe Georgia had a block kick return for a touchdown. Surprise, surprise! Alabama missed the field goal in a big game. Yeah. Um, and it was just uh, that was just a really exciting game. It really looked like Georgia was going to pull away with it. You know, they were driving late, and um, you know that was a. Uh, that was a really great game. That's one that really sticks out to me, probably, you know, right off the top of my head. I think um, I think the Alabama-Georgia game last year was also pretty good with Jalen Hurts coming back to lead them um, to victory. I also like uh, the Auburn-Missouri game from the year, like, 2013. Missouri, Missouri first came into the conference. Well, they just got killed, didn't they? Was that no, no, it was 59-42 is the final, but it was a lot of scoring. Uh, yeah. Missouri was hanging with Auburn for a while, but then Auburn uh, pulled away in the fourth quarter in that one. Yeah, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't like a classic SEC game where you think of defense first, but it was. It was a Big Twelve game at the time. Yeah, that's another thing, JB. Is a lot of people get mad because um, when the Big Twelve games happen and they score forty points each, everybody's like, "Oh no, no defense, just great offense." But when um, when Alabama and Auburn play each other and it's like forty-five to forty-eight, people aren't saying that it's it's there's no defense and it's just great offense. People are just saying like. Uh, well, they're, they're, like, discounting the fact that sometimes SEC games can get to be, like, Big 12 games. Right. But, I mean, I will say that uh, both defenses in that Alabama-Auburn game did not play well. I mean, you, you can just look at it. I mean, but Alabama's defense is really down this year. 
And then Auburn's defense did not play as well as it should have. But they, you know, like we said, they made fluke plays and were made enough plays in order to win the game. Yeah. So anything else in this game specifically you want to cover, hold that we haven't talked about? One thing actually I'm curious about now, which is I guess kind of about the game, but just kind of in general about this weekend. Everybody is working on the assumption right now that Joe Burrow has the Heisman uh, wrapped up. But I don't know, man. I still think Justin Fields has a chance to win it. I mean, you look at his stats. His stats are pretty crazy. Um, good as well. Uh, is there a chance, Holt, that um, Ohio State and Justin Fields could have a great weekend uh, on Saturday and possibly surpass Joe Burrow, especially if they lose to Georgia? I don't think he's going to be able to surpass him, no. Um, I think that if Joe Burrow has a bad game and LSU loses – and Justin Fields goes out and has a huge game and beats Wisconsin. I think that maybe opens a conversation, but I still think that Joe Burrow is going to get the win uh, in the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Um, the real question is, are they going to invite Limboden? Because he's obviously the best quarterback in the in the nation right now. He's definitely. Um, oh, I guess I can't say he's the best quarterback. It's an honorary mention. Yeah, honorary mention. Um, it's weird how sometimes you can like not be an all-conference player, but you can still be up for like one of the position awards nationally. Like I think um, this is related more to Memphis, but it happens to everywhere. Like for instance, uh, Brady White was like the number two team all, all AAC, but he's up for like whatever it's called, the Broyles Award, whatever the um, quarterback award is. I forgot what it's called. I don't know if I think it's Broyles. But yeah, Broyles is the best assistant coach. Yeah, close. I don't be Joe Brady. Yeah, close. But um but he was up for one of the That's who Ole Miss should hire, should hire BT Dubs, is Joe Brady. Well, that's what, that's what people just, are saying. Just say screw it and go for, like, the young, high, like, offensive mind. People were saying that about Memphis, too. But then what I'm – I'd be kind of nervous about is how young he is and um, how he's only had, like, one really good year at LSU. And, like, I'm adding, like, to see a little bit more proof. But you never know. I mean, it could, it could definitely work. It could be, like, you're hiring next, Nick Saban at 30 years old and you just don't realize until he's there and winning 11 games a year. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really opposed to hiring young coaches. Um, I think, I think a lot of times older coaches have like a lot of biases that they build up over time. They kind of um, maybe like some fears of like bad things Stubborn. they've seen. Yeah, and, like they kind of uh, it almost turns into a negative that they have so much experience. You want to like sometimes it's good to just hire like a young coach who you know uh, isn't afraid to take some chances and do some things a little bit differently. Let me uh, compare the stats for you real quick for Joe Burrow and Justin Fields because I'm curious about this because every time I think about Justin Fields' numbers being really good, then I have to make sure our, uh, Joe Burrow's numbers are better. So Joe Burrow has um, 4,366 yards, 44 touchdowns, six interceptions, so really great numbers, obviously. Um, only 248 yards rushing, three touchdowns, so really great numbers. And then Justin Fields has – only 2,654 passing yards, um, 37 touchdowns, only one interception, and then 470 yards rushing with 10 touchdowns. So um, the passing yards is where, where Joe Burrow just almost doubles, not doubles, but close to doubles um, fields. But it's it's just crazy. Both of those numbers really – I wonder if Justin Fields will win any other year besides this year because Burrow's numbers are just ridiculous. Yeah, and, I mean, that's the thing is that um, – it's just a tough year for Fields, and um, unfortunately, it's not his fault, but he hasn't played in as many big games. I mean, obviously, the last few weeks he has, 
um, against Penn State and Michigan and now Wisconsin again. Um, but LSU and Joe Burrow, they played against great teams pretty much all season. Um, he's had some really big moments, some big signature moments. And, um, you know, he's kind of had to, like, lead the team. I mean, that Alabama game, he pretty much won the game single-handedly. I mean, I don't know if you look at any of Ohio State's games and think, like, man, like, Justin Fields is the reason they won that game. Because, you know, they have an elite running back. They have an elite defense. You know, LSU's defense hasn't necessarily been great. And, yeah, uh, Edwards Hilaire's had a really good season. But, you know, I don't think you've ever watched a game and thought, like, man, like, they won that game because of anyone other than Joe Burrow. I mean, he's been the one out there leading the team. He's been the one making the plays. And I think that – just his body of work and like, you know, going on the road beating Alabama and Tua when, you know, Tua didn't necessarily have a bad game and the Alabama offense didn't have a bad game. I mean, they, they put up points too and he, you know, outscored them and then, you know, had the big game against Auburn and Florida. Uh, you know, Florida put up some points in that game as well. Um, you know, so he's, he's had to pretty much carry the team and he's gotten his team to wins and fields. It's, you know, Ohio State's just been more of like a machine, a machine, like it's a total team. And they haven't, you know, I mean, I don't want to say their schedule suck because they've played some good teams, but not like uh, not like LSU has. And, you know, he hasn't had to win his team games like Bro has. Yeah. Oh, anything else before we move on to the other conference championship games about this SEC championship game? Um, no, I mean, I was going to point out, you did kind of state this already, but Joe Burrow has like close to twice as many passing yards as uh, Jake Fromm does. So that's just kind of something to keep an eye on. Um, and, uh, I would have thought that in the preseason. And yeah, well, that's the other thing too. Is I was actually just thinking about that, but like, I remember like one of our questions in the preseason was like, "Is there any way that it's not Alabama versus LSU in the SEC championship game? And is there any way it's not Alabama and LSU or Alabama and Clemson in the playoff again this year?" And we were both like, "No, like, there's no way." And I mean, the fact that they've improved, LSU's improved so much this year, and Joe Burrow's improved so much over the course of one season is incredible because. He was a pretty average quarterback last year. I mean, let's be honest. Like, I'm not trying to, you know, hate on him or anything, but he was a very average quarterback last season. Uh, Ed Orgeron has not really done anything over the course of his coaching career to make you think that they were capable of something like this. And, uh, man, I mean, I don't know if it's just Joe Brady or, you know, like, I mean, he's really the only difference. But, I mean, they've gone from a very predictable, boring offense to – the best offense in the country in the course of one season. And I mean, it's, it's been a truly remarkable turnaround, very surprising season. And uh, yeah, I mean, to sit here and say that J- Joe Burrow's passed for almost twice as many yards as Jake Fromm has. I mean, that's pretty incredible. So if, if Georgia does in fact win this game, Holt, the scene's going to be like this where Ohio state is number one, uh, Clemson's two, LSU's three, Georgia's four. Is that what you're? I think they may put Georgia four, LSU or Georgia three, LSU four, since they just beat them. I mean that that would just be my guess, but it's, know, it's, really it's know. they don't they definitely don't care about that South Carolina loss for Georgia as much. Especially, I, I think you might be right with that. They don't, but you know, guess if that happens, Alex, and you know Georgia beats LSU, you're going to have a really exciting matchup in the semifinal. You're either going to get Ohio Ohio State going to get it's uh, Joe Burrow. Or you're going to get the Jake from Justin Fields matchup. I mean, either one of those is going to be pretty awesome if, if uh, Georgia beats LSU this weekend. I I don't think there's any way that they would put Georgia and LSU against each other in the semifinal of 2-3. No, I don't think there's no. any way they could because one of them, they would either have to be 2-3, and three, which isn't going to happen if they both have one loss. Because you know I mean? so, yeah. the worst schedule. 
I mean, what, I mean, are you saying that they're gonna that Georgia's gonna jump Clemson and that LSU is still gonna be ranked ahead of Clemson? Uh, that's the only thing I could think of, just because Clemson didn't play anybody. But I don't think that would happen, just because I, no, I don't think that they no, would it happen. No, like if Georgia beats LSU, they're gonna get the third, the three seed ahead of LSU because they would have beaten them head to head and won the SEC championship. They would get the three seed. LSU would get the four seed. You have LSU against Ohio State and then Georgia against Clemson, which both of those would be out would be amazing, you know, semifinal games. You know, this is like that was the fourth year for the playoff. We've only had like eight teams total, I think, or something like that that's been in the playoff. Um, so it hasn't been I mean it's only what, four or five years old now. So it's not that old, but it's just it's crazy that it hasn't been that different from it's like it's always Clemson, usually Alabama, Ohio State's usually in there. And after that, like Georgia's been there a lot. LSU has been there, but there's always like some fourth wild card team that's like usually pretty good. Usually Oklahoma, somebody like that. It's just kind of crazy. Oh, it it's always the same. Seems like. Um, all right, let's move on to the other conference championship games. We'll look at poll, bowl projections. Um, maybe do a little rapid fire at the end. And I guess hold if you're up to it, we could uh, we give you a chance to get back in this uh, pick 'em here. Yeah, up. I mean, I'm pretty close. I'm only down by one game right now, so it should be good. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so I was, I was waiting for JB to laugh because I, I didn't think that was right either. Um, all right, other championship games. Uh, JB, can uh, Baylor actually beat Oklahoma this time? Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree they can. I mean, I don't, don't know if they will, but uh, this, you know, Bat Rule is I, – I would take Matt Rule probably over Lincoln Riley head-to-head as coach, coaching. I mean, what he's done at Baylor – is nothing less than remarkable, and it's it's so hard to beat the same team twice too. I mean, I think I can say that about everybody, anything, especially especially at the college level. I mean, and you know, Baylor let that one slip away against Oklahoma. They're going to come into this game fired up, and yeah, I'm pretty sure the Baylor team knows they still have a uh, you know somewhat legit shot of making the playoff if a lot of things go their way. Yeah, and they'll know because I mean, if if Oregon's able to beat Utah on Friday night, then. Um, you know, I think their chances are pretty solid. So, yeah, all right, let's, let's just play this game real quick. So, we'll just say LSU beats Georgia, and then Georgia's out of the playoff. Then you have it really between Baylor, Oklahoma, and Utah. If Baylor beats Oklahoma and Utah beats Oregon, then Utah's in. Is that what we're saying? And then, if, yeah, yes. I think Utah's going to be in over the Big 12 champ just from, you mm. know, basically what I can see. Um, I mean, I, I just don't know. I don't think Oklahoma's going to be able to jump them. I but so. I, I mean, I personally would also take Utah over Oregon or over Oklahoma on a neutral field, um, and they're ranked higher right now. I don't think that a second win over Baylor is going to be more impressive than a win at, at Oregon or or significantly better mm-hmm. than for them to jump uh, Utah. Is, uh, where the fun debate begins is the yeah. See, I, I personally would disagree with Holt here. I think um, I think I do believe. So you think they're going to jump? Here's what here's my, my Utah, opinion. Just my my, my thought is, my thought is that Utah is the better team than Oklahoma, but also Baylor is the uh, number seven team. Oregon's the number twelve team, and I think Oklahoma, if they beat Baylor and then you know Oregon, you know if Utah beats Oregon, I think Oklahoma would actually jump Utah and the College Football Playoff Committee. And another factor is I think Oklahoma just is a more has more national appeal than Utah too. I just think the committee's going to see that. And they think that they're going to just put find a way to get Oklahoma ahead of Utah. I mean, that's just the way I see it. Even though I think Utah is right now the better team. But I mean, technically, Oklahoma already has a win over Baylor. So what is beating them again? Like really improved that they have improved already. It's still yeah. seven. 
game, though. That's what he's saying. I understand what JB's saying. I understand what you're saying, Holt. Um, this is actually <laughs> – this will be fun to watch, too, between these two games to see if uh, either of the winning teams kind of decide to push forward in the fourth quarter and uh, get some style points for the committee. I don't know how much that really matters, but I'll never forget when Ohio State destroyed Wisconsin – after they uh, lost to Virginia Tech earlier in that year to get in as the fourth seed. That was so much fun to watch them push it forward on Wisconsin after they, the game was With already the backup quarterback, too. Yeah, they yeah they were killing it. So it would be fun to see what happens. Um, let's see. Um, what game were we actually talking about? Baylor-Oklahoma. So we think um, – is there disagreement between y'all between who's actually going to win this game? No, I mean, I think Baylor – I think um, Oklahoma's going to win pretty easily, honestly. And, JB, do you think Oklahoma's going to win this one? Oh, you'll, we'll wait when I make my pick later. Okay. All right, we'll wait it. We'll wait it out. Um, would it not be a good story for Jalen Hurts to be in the playoff and win a national championship as a quarterback on a different team? Absolutely. No, it would not be a good story at all. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just making sure. Um, so that'll be a fun game. That is an early game. Usually the Big Ten likes to do the early games, but the Big 12 championship is a big game on Saturday, so that'll be fun to watch. Um, Utah, Oregon, we already talked about that a little bit. Um, let's talk about the Big Ten championship game because that's the next big one to me. So, uh, oh, we talked about the Ohio State-Wisconsin championship game, whatever it was, five years ago in the first playoff where Ohio State poured it on. I know Ohio State looks like a machine, and they're like the best team ever. But um, I really wish I really wish Wisconsin uh, didn't lose to Illinois earlier this year because this game would be a whole lot more interesting if they only lost to Ohio State. Um, but uh, defense does win championships, is what people say as a cliche. And defense can keep you in. Good defenses can get, keep you in a, a game. So I know Ohio State has a great offense, but is there any way hold that you can look at Wisconsin and say their defense is one of the best in the country? So they should be able to keep them in this game a little bit closer than last time. Yeah, well, I mean that is sort of what happened in the first game was uh, Wisconsin's defense was able to get some stops early in the game. They sacked Justin Fields uh, a few times in the first half. Uh, they got a big turnover and then hit like a long pass for their only touchdown. And at that time, it was a ten to seven game, and it really looked like Wisconsin was in it. But uh, in the second half, Ohio State really just pulled away. So um, I think Wisconsin has enough on defense to slow down Ohio State's offense, but I don't think Wisconsin has nearly enough on offense to really do anything in this one. And, you know, eventually the dam broke in the first game, and I think eventually the dam's going to break in this game as well. Um, I just – I think Wisconsin may come out and do some things defensively to bother Ohio State's offense, but – I just don't see how Wisconsin's offense puts up any points in this one uh, to, to make it a close game even. Jamie, this is another one where we say that Ohio State can afford to lose this game and still be in the playoff, right? Yes. I mean, Ohio State and LSU are both uh, locks to make the playoff. Those two teams could, you know, lose their conference championships and make it. I mean, there's not a ton of pressure on Ohio State, but, I mean, the only pressure you can say is that they're the pressure to keep the one seed. I mean, nobody wants to get that dreaded two or three seed to play Clemson. I mean, Clemson right now is playing arguably like the best team in the country. Nobody wants to play. Ohio State and LSU both don't want to play Clemson. So, I mean, they both are going to try to come out and have strong outings. But uh, this is almost like a David versus Goliath matchup. Even though Wisconsin's number eight in the country, Ohio State is just more is supremely talented compared to Wisconsin. And 
I mean, for Wisconsin to have a chance, they're going to have to have a low-scoring game. They're going to have to play their absolute best on defense, and their offense is going to have to make enough plays, which they did not make at all against Ohio State. Their offense was extremely anemic against Ohio State. If they can keep this close and, you know, under 20 points uh, late in the fourth quarter, I mean, Wisconsin, I think, does have a chance. And, I mean, Paul Chris is an excellent coach, too. I mean, he's done an excellent job at Wisconsin, too, and – I haven't written off Wisconsin at all in this game. I, I do think they have a good shot. I'm not. I, mean, gonna, I don't know if they're going. I don't. I'm not going to say they're going to win, but Wisconsin definitely has a shot. They have Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I think he could keep them in the game too. I know Ohio State's defense is great too, but Jonathan Taylor's a really good running back. Yeah, I mean, in Wisconsin, yeah, and Wisconsin offensive line is arguably the best in the country too, which is going up against the best defensive line in the country too. So I mean, that's really where the battle is going to be won. Play great defense and have Jonathan Taylor go off for 150 yards or more, and then I think you're you have a good chance of winning this game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, great defense is definitely um, easier said than done against Ohio State, so we will see. But that will be fun um, game to watch. Best Big Ten championship game, JB, was it Iowa, Michigan State, or Iowa, whoever it was, a few years ago? Yeah, Iowa, Michigan State was great. I mean, that was a defensive struggle. I mean, but those two teams were, like, very similar, really strong on defense. Uh, offense had, you know, some st- solid quarterbacks. I remember, uh, for, I think, I forgot who Michigan State was, but all I was with C.J. Beathard. Uh, they were both, you know, really well-coached teams with D'Antonio and Kirk Ferentz. I mean, a classic Big Ten matchup, too. I mean, I, I enjoyed that one. Even though it was not a lot of scoring, it, it was still good defense. What about the uh, 2016, I believe, Penn State-Wisconsin matchup? Oh yeah, we were. Watch- I think we were watching that at uh, in Buckhead Hold. That was a pretty, uh, that was a pretty exciting matchup. I think we were watching that out. Um, it was exciting, right? You're right, Hold. Um, other conference championship, we can legitimately talk about Cincinnati, Memphis in this this podcast because it does affect the SEC in one way or another here with the New Year's Six Bowl matchup, possibly. Um, I'm excited about this game. I don't know if y'all are as excited for the rematch as I am. But uh, I'm kind of scared that Memphis is a nine-point favorite. There's a couple ways you can see this, um, JB, is that um, it's tough beating a team twice in one year. Uh, another way is that you can look at this as the Mike Norbell going out party. So Memphis is going to play really hard for him, and um, they're excited to get a New Year's Six Bowl in front of their home crowd. But you could also say that they already know that he's coaching at Florida State and they could kind of give up and not have as much focus. What do you think the overwhelming – not overwhelming, but, like, where this game is going to go with the, I guess, the uh, mental state of the Memphis football team? Yeah, I mean, I think the Memphis players, I mean, they're going to play hard regardless, even if they if they know the coaches leaving. They're still going to play hard for themselves because they, they got a cotton bowl at stake that they're playing for. And, I mean, it would be the uh, biggest game. And it's this is the biggest game in the program's history up, up until this point. I mean, you can make an argument for two years ago when they played UCF in the American championship, but this one's at home. And I mean, this, it's a huge game, but I mean, like I alleviated to earlier, I mean, this is also, um, you know, playing the same team twice and not just twice, but back, back to back weeks too. And uh, when I, we, we both were all at this game too, a week ago and Memphis, you know, jumped out to the 17, three lead. But after that, I mean, Cincinnati, you can make an argument outplayed them for the majority of the rest of the game. But Memphis was able to, uh, you know, get a you know a couple big plays late in the fourth quarter to put it away. And, you know, Cincinnati, I, I mean, Luke Fickle is an excellent coach. I mean, he's got a really disciplined team. I mean, I, I would be a little worried if I was Memphis because I think they're going to come back, you know, recharged and regrouped. And 
they're going to give Memphis a hell of a fight in this one. I mean, this one to me is a 50-50 toss-up, honestly. Yeah, I don't think it's um, going to be easy for sure. Oh, do you remember when uh, I think it was Central Florida was playing in the American Athletic Championship and the Scott Frost news broke like during the game to Nebraska? Yes, I do remember that. We were actually just talking about that the other day. It's funny. I I think like something like that could happen during this game. It yeah, I mean, yeah, much. me and Ol were talking about that actually a few days ago about how during the UCF Memphis game, yeah, when the news broke that he took that he was taking the Nebraska job in the middle of the game, which is just really really poor timing. And then the fact that Todd McShay had to ask Scott Frost in his post game interview if he had taken the Nebraska job when he was emotional and just wanted to go celebrate with the team. Like you could have waited until maybe it honestly I wouldn't even even ask the question that day especially during the game like I was just low class by ESPN Paul do you think JB listens that a word or anything you say yes I heard everything you said I was just going on my soapbox there um to answer your question I think JB listens to about approximately 15 percent of what I say I was gonna say it has to be less than 50 percent also JB JB likes to be Holt and JB today he's he's most talented yeah answer for everyone but uh, i will say that i was not super impressed with um cincinnati's quarterback in the last game he's got a pretty good arm but uh not the best decision maker um i actually did really like the running back though michael warren not just because he has the same name as my cousin but um really good physical running back i enjoy watching him play uh, i just think memphis has the edge in this one i think their offense um, is a lot more explosive and, you know, I said this last week, Cincinnati gets credit for having a great defense, and their defense is pretty good. But Memphis's is not that much worse. It's actually pretty comparable. Um, so I think pretty comparable defenses. Uh, I think Memphis has the edge on offense and special teams. So, uh, and they're at home. So um, I think, you know, I, I'm not going to say like an easy win because, you know, this was a 10-point game just a week ago. Um, and, you know, obviously Cincinnati's going to have an opportunity to uh, – you know, study last week's game film and really take a lot away from it. And both teams have a lot to play for. Uh, but I, I, I feel pretty comfortable with with Memphis in this one. I'm in Michigan for some reason. No, Memphis. You know, it, I guess it shows how much I know about Cincinnati's football team. But the quarterback you watched last week, Cole, was actually the, I guess, the backup quarterback. And it was his first career start. Um, the... I'm just reading this now. It's like I'm talking about it out loud. But the quarterback this week that's going to be starting isn't going to be the same quarterback as the quarterback last week. So, well, I don't, I don't know who Cincinnati's quarterback is. I was just going off the dude I watched play last week. Yeah, I'm, I'm no, I'm learning too. Don't worry, I'm learning. It's, it's weird that even I feel like I should know more about Cincinnati's quarterback or their whole team than I do, but I don't. Um, it's just what happens when you play in the group of five. You only pay attention to your team and not everybody else's. Um, all right, so there's other conference championship games that we are not going to talk about as much, uh, mainly because um, they're not as interesting. Like, for instance, the Clemson-Virginia game, I don't really want to spend too much time. That's an easy Clemson win, and um, it would be a great story. That would be that would be the biggest upset in not all of college football this year, but possibly, possibly all of college football this year if Virginia beat Clemson. It would be a fun one for sure. Um I think it might be time for our uh, world-famous pickums before we get into rapid fire. Are you all ready? We are. I mean, we already know which games we're picking because it's, it's going to be all the championship games, and there's only, uh, you know, 10 games to pick anyway. Do you all want to pick every single game or do most of them? Because there's some of them I don't really want to pick. 
Yeah, if the line's more than 10 points, I would say don't pick it. Okay. So I would say there's only 10 games, so we might as well just pick all of them. But no, I'm not picking the Clemson game. That's that's basically what we're saying. Yeah, we both pick Clemson. It's yeah. over. All right, let's just go in order here. Starting off Friday night. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's back up. JB, remind everybody why we're doing this. We're doing this because me and Holtz are currently in a contest. And uh, long story short, the loser is going to have to wear the apparel of the winner's uh, favorite team. And he's going to have to take a uh, Facebook and Twitter profile picture of himself wearing said gear. Good thing JB's a Mississippi State fan. For a month. For a month. However, we have um, theories that Holt Smash would not hold up his end of the bargain if he is, in fact, the loser of this bet. But we Honestly, would... I'm not surprised either. <laughs> he's calling you a bitch, Holt. That's what he's saying. Uh, well, you know what? Unlike JB, I actually own up to my bets. And second of all, I would just like to point out that none of the games that I've requested to be picked this year have been picked. Every game that has been picked has been something decided by Alex or JB. I would just like to throw that out there. I'm not making excuses because I still picked the games. But you know what? I would just like to put that out there. All right. So we're, we're wrong. Holt's right. I got you. All right. Let's start it off. Oh, don't worry. You'll get it back this week. You'll get it back. Start off Friday night, Utah at Oregon. Or not at Oregon, Utah in Oregon for the Pac-12 championship game in Santa Clara, which is, I guess, the 49ers stadium. Who do you got, Holt? Yeah, I got Utah in this one uh, before the season. Uh, I actually picked Utah to beat Oregon in a Pac-12 championship game. And uh, Oregon's been kind of not playing that well the last couple weeks. Um, I'm a really big fan of Utah's defense and Kyle Whittingham, so I'm going to go with Utah on this one. I feel like this one is one we shouldn't have picked either. Go ahead, JB. Who do you got? Yeah, this will be Holt's uh, first chance of the weekend to uh, cut my five-game lead. You know, he's got a big comeback to make this weekend. This will be his first game to have a chance with. And I picked Oregon in the preseason. I am sticking with the Oregon Ducks. Ooh, I'm glad you picked them because I was thinking we shouldn't even pick them because I thought both of y'all would pick Utah. Um, JB, are you doing that out of the kindness of your heart, or do you really think Oregon's going to win? You know, I picked them in the preseason, and I, I still like this Oregon team. I mean, I, I like Justin Herbert. I'm – it's a close one. I mean, if you look at the ESPN FBI, it's dead even, fifty-one forty-nine. I mean, it's it's a toss-up, and you know, I, for whatever reason, I'm I'm just gonna go with Oregon. Okay, I have my doubts about the FBI, by the way. Not the I don't really don't trust the FBI that much, but I mean, it's still uh, you know something to look at. But you know, I picked them in the preseason. I gotta stick with them. All right, Cincinnati at Memphis, and this is truly at Memphis. JB, who you got? I am going with Bearcats in this one in an upset. I just, you know, I watched uh, Norvell's, uh, you know, post post practice, uh, you know, media availability this afternoon, and just watching his body language, he just seems like a man with a lot of weight on his shoulders. I think he, I think he deep down knows he's leaving. I think he's dreading to tell the team and the fans that are going to find out about it. And you know, it's hard to really, you know, have that weight on your shoulders and have your team focused at the same time, and you you have yourself focused. Cincinnati, on the other hand. Is looking out for revenge. They still got a New Year's Six Bowl to play for. Uh, there's not as much pressure on them. All the pressure's on Memphis. And I know everyone's picking Memphis. So, you know, I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to go with Cincinnati here in a big upset. Oh, make it make it two for two for different picks. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going with Memphis for all the reasons uh, I just stated a moment ago. Um, and I would just also like to point out on the podcast that JB is very invested in my Norvell leaving Memphis. Yeah, as uh, so old thinks I'm just invested in anything that I'm. I mean, you said you just watched the press conference of a group of six. Group yeah, of five, yeah, well, because I actually looked it up on Twitter. I've been searching like Norvell and just wanted to see everything. But yeah, it was actually on my Twitter. Well, I mean, you're all the, you're always bringing it up. 
Um, by the way, hold it is uh, power six. Just want to correct you. Be sure that they group of six. Is that what I said? No, you said group of six, but it's power six. You you seen the refs? I know you have seen the refs. Have power six. Um, one thing I would want to say about this game is that I do think Mike Norvell is a good coach, but he does have a history of uh, kind of disappointing in some of the big games. Uh, I mean, he beat that was only UCF mainly. Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking about UCF, but there are there are some games where. He, uh, I mean, I guess every coach can't, you can't win them all and every coach has bad games, but I, I think of some of them like UCF, obviously uh, Tulane last year where you're like, you, you actually got out. Um, so it could happen this week, but it could also be that the players get really excited for them. We'll, we'll see. Um, I think it would be kind of awkward for Florida state fans and Florida state in general, if they do hire him and Memphis loses this game, it'd be kind of funny for them. Cause I know they, they already don't like him as it is. And if they lose this game, it'll make it look even worse. Um, so we'll see. Baylor at Baylor and Oklahoma hold. Who you got? Um, yeah, I already gave away my pick earlier in the podcast, but I like Oklahoma big in this one. JB, you gonna go three for three? I just, had, I just had to keep you all on your toes, but I'm going with Oklahoma too. Boo. In a close Louisiana one. Louisiana and App State. I think this is at App State, JB. Who you got? Yes, that is correct. It's in Boone. If this was on a neutral side, I would pick Louisiana in this one. But since it's not, I'm going with App State in a really close one. I think this Louisiana team is uh, right on par with App State, and they're not respected enough. But I'm going to go with App State in a really close one. Scary. Hold, who you got? Um, well, I do apologize to uh, Alex's homegirl, the App State grad, but I'm actually going to go Bill and Napier in this one. Ooh. Um, so I do have a reason, um, aside from just trying to pick different from J.B., I actually do think Louisiana is going to win this game. Uh, Billy Napier is in the running for some head coaching jobs. And I think he, you know, it obviously do him uh, wonders to have a big win in a conference championship game. Uh, they were in a conference championship game last year as well um, against App State, I believe. So uh, the other thing, too, is App State's one loss in the year was to a running quarterback. Um, Louisiana has a running quarterback as well. Uh, God, what's his first name? Uh, Levi Lewis. Yeah, um, I got to see him uh, personally when they played Mississippi State. Uh, he's a pretty solid player. He's a lefty. Um, got some good. Uh, got some good footwork. Uh, good runner. Is I guess what I'm trying to say. Um, so, so uh, I think he's going to give that Georgia or uh, that App State defense uh, some problems. God like, damn, uh, sim- similarly to the way the. Georgia Southern did, and thank you for uh, your patience there, Alex. It was it was tough, but I, I got gave you it all. Um, all right, so that's three different ones. All right, let's keep it going. Miami of Ohio, JB, and Central Michigan for the Maction Championship game. Who you got? I'm going with uh, Jim McElwain and Central Michigan in this one. I have not really paid attention that much to the Mac this year, but you know, Quentin Dormady is a starting quarterback for Central Michigan too. That's a really interesting pairing uh, going with his former rival, you know, head coach. But I'm, Central Michigan has kind of been rolling the last few weeks, too, so I'm going with them. Holt? Yeah, I hate to agree. I have to go with uh, Central Michigan as well. Their offense is just too explosive. They're very balanced. Um, I just – I like Miami of Ohio, but I just – I think Central Michigan has a little bit too much on offense for them. Too much sauce. I got you. UAB and Florida Atlantic, Holt. Converse USA Championship. Lane Kiffin with your boy Bill Clark. Yeah, I do love me some Bill Clark, but um, this is actually kind of a down year for them, uh, surprisingly, and they're still in the Commerce Championship game, um, which really says a lot about Bill Clark, but I just think that FAU has too much uh, offensive firepower, um, a lot like the last one. 
Um, I really like UAB's defense. I expect them to come up with a good game plan, but I just don't think that they're going to be able to uh, to keep up with Florida Atlantic's offense. JB? Yeah, when you look at this game, uh, UAB's defense is over 100 yards better than FAU's, and FAU's offense is surprisingly not as far ahead of UAB as you would expect it. But, you know, this game's in Boca Raton. Uh, this is probably Lane Kiffin's last game coaching for FAU. And, you know, I just, you know, come to the FAU, man, for one more time. i got to go with them, with FAU here. All right, all right. Um, SEC championship game, Georgia and LSU. Mr. Debbie Brooks. I've got to go with LSU here. I mean, I would like to pick Georgia if their offense was better, but I just think LSU is going to be too much. I mean, I think if Georgia's going to win, they're going to have to hold LSU to under 30 points, and I don't know if that's entirely possible. I mean, it is, but I think Georgia's going to have to score at least 20, I think, to have a shot. Georgia's defense is good, though. That's the only thing. I, I just said what you're saying, but their defense is awesome, though. Um, Hope, what you got? Yeah, I have to go with LSU. I mean, I, I would love to pick Georgia in this one, but, I mean, I just think LSU just got too much. Uh, Georgia's offense has been too inconsistent this year. Um, I do expect Georgia's offense to show up a little bit in this one. I expect it to be a really close game. Um, I actually have Georgia covering the spread, but I like LSU to get a close, narrow victory, 27-24, to 24, hit the under, and, uh, LSU, and uh, Georgia to cover. Gotcha. There are no more games. There is the Ohio State-Wisconsin game, but the line is 16 and a half, and I have a feeling both of you are going to pick Ohio State. Unless one of you are going to pick Wisconsin, we're not going to pick it, which I don't know. Silence. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right, so I think that's the end of the pick We have um, Utah-Oregon, Cincinnati-Memphis, Louisiana-App State is the games to watch for the pick So, at most, Holt could gain three games on JB, but JB would still have, like, what, a two-game lead? Yeah, I would still have a two-game lead, but that would also conclude the contest unless it's supposed to go into the bowl season, which Holt says he just makes the rules as they go. Yeah, well, it keeps going on until he's winning. <laughs> then it ends. Yeah, if Holt was, I bet if Holt was up five games this week, it'd be over after this week. Yeah, I have no idea. It might be time for the world famous rapid fire, but we could also hold off till next podcast because we are reaching out to our limit. I don't want to step on our other programmers' uh, toes here. Uh, it's up to Holt Smash if you want to make the call for rapid fire to start, or do you want to hold off till later? I feel like we're about to get a rant here, and. And we haven't talked about bowl projections, but I guess we hold off on that one, too. Yeah, we can do bowl projections. Well, actually, if you wait on bowl projections, the bowls are already going to be announced by the time we make our, you know, podcast Sunday night. So I could go, do bowl projections tonight do it, and we can do rapid fire the next one. Do it really quick, JB, who you got for bowl. So, All right, bowl projections. I mean, there's two scenarios, but let's go with the scenario in which Alabama does not – or not say Alabama, if Auburn does not make the Cotton Bowl. This is assuming Wisconsin gets that Cotton Bowl slot. So in this scenario, LSU is going to be in the playoff. Georgia's in the Sugar. Florida is in the Orange Bowl. Auburn goes to the Citrus Bowl. Alabama is in the Outback Bowl. God, I know, I know. What a drop off for Alabama if they go to the Outback Bowl. But that's what it's looking like now. It's either going to be the Outback or Citrus. But I think the Citrus is going to take Auburn. Uh, you know, head, they won the head to head, and they're ahead of them in the playoffs. So I think Auburn goes to the Citrus. Alabama to the Outback. Uh, Tennessee is going to be in the Gator Bowl. Uh, Kentucky in the Music City. Uh, Texas A&M is going to be in the Texas Bowl. And then uh, Mississippi State is going to be in the Liberty Bowl. 
I'm just going to say all right now, Mystery State's going to be in the Music City Bowl, so that's really the only difference I have. The rest of it is sure. Who, who, sorry, who's going to be in the Cotton Bowl? Who's Memphis going to be playing? That's what I need to know. Uh, probably, was, probably Wisconsin. Oh. No, they're not going to play SEC team? That's what I'm saying. This is a scenario in which the SEC does not get it, does not get Auburn in it because you know Auburn jumped Alabama in the playoff standings, so Alabama is pretty much out of the uh, running for a New Year's Six Bowl. The only shot the SEC has for that Cotton Bowl is Auburn, and that the only way they get it is if Wisconsin gets absolutely you know shit rocked against uh, <laughs> against Ohio State. If if Ohio State beats Wisconsin like you know 38 to three. Auburn might leapfrog Wisconsin and get that final slot and get the Cotton Bowl. But I'm assuming Wisconsin's going to play a tough game against Ohio State, and they're going to get a New Year's Six bid in the Cotton Bowl. In a scenario where Memphis plays Wisconsin, I would play a good defense like that. Yeah, Wisconsin, I mean, that's not the best matchup. I think you would rather maybe play Auburn. But Auburn would be motivated in the Cotton Bowl, too. And that's all we have for tonight. I think we lost Alex, so I guess that's a good stopping point. Um, Thank everybody for listening, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.